You're listening to a chapel message from Trinity Christian College, recorded live at the Ozinga Chapel Auditorium in Palos Heights, Illinois. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, I wonder what you think about when you hear the word practice. If you're ex-NBA star Allen Iverson, you might not be so fond of practice. Some of you know that video. You can go Google it afterwards if you don't. Maybe for you, you think of late night rehearsals for theater, practicing to, to try and get every detail just right, everything precisely where it needs to be. Maybe you think of those dreaded workouts for soccer or for volleyball or basketball. Maybe you think of hours spent at the piano trying to get the beat and the tempo exactly right. Practice is, of course, preparation for the real thing. In another life, I was a baseball pitcher. And one time I was at a tryout for the Atlanta Braves, uh, and they had a skill-building practice. And one of the things they wanted us to practice, the skill they wanted us to practice, was holding our balance. And so if, you're, if you know baseball and you can picture what a, a pitcher's windup is like, you know that a pitcher, I hope you can see me, uh, is you get to this point in your windup, right, before you will throw the ball. And what they would tell us to do, what they told us to do was to go through our windup and then to pause when we get here and to hold it. The idea of the drill is, of course, that you need to be balanced, right? If you're balanced here, you have a greater chance of being balanced here and throwing the ball where you want it to go. If you're not balanced here, you have zero chance of getting the ball where you want it to go. But of course, if you were to walk up to that field and you knew little about baseball and you saw a bunch of us standing there like this, you might wonder what in the world we were doing. Seems like a strange drill. In fact, one of the things about practice is that it requires trust. Practice of any type requires trust. You have to trust that the drill your coach is putting you through is actually going to help. You have to trust that the scales that you're playing are actually going to make you better at your instruments. If you're in my History 105 class, you have to trust that the outline I'm asking you to write for tonight is going to make you a better writer, a clearer thinker. Practice requires trust. Trust, it seems to me, is at the heart of Isaiah 58. Maybe in the passage, you caught the repeated ifs in those couple of verses. Three of them, all all of them in just one verse. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you honor the Sabbath by not going your own way. And if you heard all of those if-then statements, they might seem a little bit threatening. Is God some power who will only bless his people if he gets what he wants? Is he lording it over them, withholding it until they get it exactly right? But I wonder, what if the if statements are not a threat, but instead an invitation to trust? What if God is inviting his people to trust him? What if God's inviting us to trust him enough, trust him enough to take some small steps, just some baby steps, 
into the very life of God? What if in Isaiah 58, God's inviting us to practice life in his kingdom? And of course, in Isaiah 58, one of the ways to practice this life with God is Sabbath. Sabbath isn't a word that we use a lot, especially outside of Christian circles or religious circles. If you're not familiar, the Sabbath is a Jewish tradition on which people were supposed to cease working completely. Happened on the seventh day, the last day of the week. In most Christian traditions, the Sabbath, you might call it the Lord's Day or just simply Sunday, is now typically observed on the first day of the week. For the Jews, the Sabbath was closely tied to the Ten Commandments. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. And then a whole bunch more. For most Christians, if you observe the Sabbath on Sunday, you cease from work. But you might also gather for communal worship. And historically, what fathers of the faith have realized about the Sabbath is that it includes a physical rest, but it's not just about sleeping all day. It points to something more, something we might call a spiritual rest. In other words, Sabbath is meant to restore your body, but it's also a day to restore, to focus your spirit, your identity in Christ. And so my guess is, depending on how you were raised and what context you come from, when you hear the word Sabbath, you don't immediately connect it to joy. Maybe if you're really pious, resting and worshiping sounds like a joy, but but if you're being honest, it might sound a little boring. It might sound like a practice drill that's a little too arbitrary, that actually isn't going to help anything. After all, why bother worshiping at church when you can read your Bible in your dorm? Or with our busy schedules, who can afford to take a whole day off from work? For many of us, Sabbath can just sound like another thing to do, something that really won't get us anywhere. What the Israelites in Isaiah 58 had to recognize is that their lives were not their own, that they belonged to their God. If you read the first part of Isaiah 58, what you find is that Israel had tried it their own way. They tried to fast as God told them to, but what ended up happening was that they would exploit each other. They would oppress each other. They would fight with each other, talk badly about one another. And what God points out to them is they'd missed the point entirely. Their own way had only led them astray. It had only made them more tired. Doesn't that sound a little familiar? Trying to do it on your own? Trying to come up with the best schedule, the best scheme, the best strategy? Try and get just a little bit ahead. And if so, aren't you tired of it? Aren't you tired of having to prove you're smarter or you're better than your classmate or your teammate? Aren't you trying to get ahead 
financially so that instead of being the oppressed, you can be the oppressor? And isn't there a better way? Can we trust? Can we trust that there's a better way? That God has something else for us? That God might even have joy for us? A few summers ago, I was teaching a summer class here at Trinity, and I had a student, we'll call her Emily, who in the history class, right in the middle of class, Emily fell out of her chair, hard out of her chair, completely passed out. My first thought was, dang, is it really this boring? But what became clear is that Emily was malnourished. She hadn't eaten in days. Trying to make herself thin enough, trying to attain some standard of impossible beauty. Oh, Emily, isn't there a better way? Can you trust? Will you trust? In our busy lives, especially this time in the semester, most of us can see how important Sabbath is. We have such a hard time practicing it. We have a hard time trusting that if we pause for for a moment, more or less an entire day, that everything we've worked for won't slip away. I can distinctly remember working on my first book, which is On the Sabbath, and realizing a couple years into it that I hadn't set that work aside for months, not even for a day. Is it possible that Sabbath is so hard for us because we can't trust. We can't trust that someone else might know what's best for our lives. We can't trust that we can look beyond ourselves because what the Sabbath requires of us, what God invites us to, is to let go, to give up control. And so he calls to his people, can you trust? Will you trust It requires recognizing that our own work is not what matters most. In fact, in the life of God, our work is never first. It only happens after we've received God's gifts. It's one of the beauties of Sunday being the first day of the week. Before you start your week with any class, God has been at work. And in the life of God, worship, not friends, not family, not work, not sports, but God. And the life of God is what defines our lives. And so what the Sabbath requires us to recognize, to practice, is that our lives are not our own, but as Paul says, are hidden with Christ in God. You are not defined by the grades that you get, the money you make, the sport you play, the followers you have on TikTok, because your life, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And so the invitation, Jesus says, is to come to me, all of you who are weary. I will give you rest. Come try it out. Practice it for just one day a week. Practice what this life can be like and find the joy and the love and the peace and the hope that I have for you. Can we trust Will we trust? Because the invitation, the promise of Isaiah 58 is that if we enter into this life, we'll find joy. 
that if we can practice giving up our own desires, we'll find this feast beyond what we could imagine. If we're willing to to give of ourselves rather than to hold on so tightly, God promises we'll be more triumphant than we ever could have guessed. And so the invitation in Isaiah 58 is to give it a try. Jesus tells his disciples, come and see. Sabbath is an invitation. Practice what this life can be like. Imagine, imagine what it would be like to give up your phone for a whole day. And instead of focusing on it, focus on just one Bible verse. Imagine trying to get out of bed to go to church to see what God has for you. See how he might surprise you if you were to make that a rhythm of your life. What if you set the homework aside for one day? Because you're more than a student. You're more than the grades. Could you rest from the gym for just one day? Could you give up that body image for one day? Could you trust, will you trust that God's plans for you, that God's life for you is so much more? Because what God promises is his life is better than anything we could achieve on our own. And so where we want better grades and more Instagram likes or more retweets, God wants so much more than that. Where we see success as working harder and getting the better internship and getting the good job, God wants to expand our vision. If you want joy, if you want a feast, you want to triumph, start with life with God. Rest in him because that's who you are. Rest from it all. Rest from trying to have to do it yourself. Rest from sin. Rest from busyness. Rest from all the expectations and all the weariness. Set it aside. Practice it. What you might find is that the life that God has on offer that if you can practice this life with him, is that you'll find this fullness of joy and grace and love that are his to become ours. That in fact, Christ has come for this very purpose, to invite you into this kingdom, to show you what it can look like to live in this kingdom, to have his life become ours. Thanks be to him. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to Trinity Christian College's Chapel Podcast. To learn more about campus ministries at Trinity, visit trnty.edu slash chapel.